everybody. Hi, welcome to another glorious episode of Jeff Has Cool Friends. My name is Jeff May, and I have incredibly cool friends, and I'm so excited to have this very cool friend with me this week. Uh, talking to him from the terrifying woods of Pennsylvania as he is out on a hunt. One of my absolute favorite personalities to exist in this world. You might know him as the YouTube page. <laughs> The past is alive. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for the amazing John Jabs. John, how you doing, bud? I'm doing well. How you doing today, Jeff? I'm doing all right. It is we are we're on a three hour difference. So you're nice and fresh, and I'm just sitting there like rubbing the stuff out of my eyes. I felt bad about that. I'm like, that's a little bit early for him to be asking no. me a bunch of questions. No, it's I, I actually I'm normally <laughs> I woke up not too long ago, like 745. I'm usually up like an hour before that. It wasn't a big deal. Okay, um, good. Good. No, that that's not. I'm I'm usually up very early, but I, I was more just like when you were like, oh, I'm available in the mornings, and I'm like, ah, shit, what time? Like eight a.m. Okay, that's five for me. Oh shit. Yeah, I've, I've been working <laughs> on a project. Been working on a remodeling project, so typically that's taking my afternoons. For some reason today, I, I woke up at five a.m. for no reason at all and just been going back to sleep. It was, Damn. <laughs> it was one of those days. It's one of those days so far. So. So. I think you're the first or maybe the second friend that I've had on the show that I've never actually met, met. I've had conversations with on the internet, but I actually, yeah. I thought of you. So basically what it comes down to is Dre, my co-producer on nerd, who also helps run my YouTube has been doing breaks on my page. And he was like, Hey, do you mind if I do it? And I was like, absolutely. And you actually, I was watching one that he was doing and you jumped on and yeah, you were I'll like, Hey, and he didn't understand what the past is alive was. He was like, oh, why would somebody say that? And then I, and so I afterwards, we, we did a debriefing and I was like, so that guy and I was explaining, I was like, so the past is alive is the name of his his channel. And I was like, and that's the guy that when I wanted to look into breaks and I was doing research, this was the page I found where I was like, this is the energy that I want. So in a way, like when I do, I must break you or I do breaks the energy that you bring to your page is exactly what i saw and was like this is the guy that's awesome man i love to hear that yeah it, it was one of those things i certainly don't i'm not going to be you and i don't want to be you but i was right. like the way you interact with your community and the fun that you have like you clearly have fun while you're right. doing this like it is Absolutely. this brought the energy of this guy is opening cards with his friends 25 years ago and talking about it and that to me is i was like that's it that's exactly that's, that's exactly that's what i set out to do entirely it's like the community is very very close knit, and it's like we have all been friends for years like you said it's like it's 25 years ago it's become one of those things where i myself because like look like i also do a, a similar thing right like you and i we both uh exist on the internet we talk to people that we can't all we don't see we just talk right. out into the ether they interact with us with words sometimes but they, they we create that parasocial relationship and i found myself in the very unique position of being on the other end of that parasocial relationship and starting to be like oh that's why people want to send me things or that's why people want me to come to their town or something like that. Like right, I found myself right. wanting to be like, I want to send him something. Right. And I found, and you, and, you, and, you, and you did, you sent me something awesome. So yeah, I was, I, I was, I was blown away by that. Yeah. That's a, that at all. 
Yeah. So for those of you that that we're not are not familiar, Aaron the Plant, former guest of the show, you might know him from TV shows such as Primal, or you might have seen him or heard him in Resident Evil. He's a great, great actor and and brilliant man, but he's also a fantastic artist, and he makes. He takes original animation cells and he puts them over horror backgrounds. And John, I sent you because you're a big real Ghostbusters fan, right? Like that's your thing. Love it. Yeah, it's my my thing since I was two years old. And so yeah, I, I ended up. I asked Aaron. I was like, "Hey man, like I know a guy. He's a huge Ghostbusters fan. He's got a lot of stuff, but he absolutely can't have this. I know he doesn't. So is right. there a way yeah, I could that, buy that was it? Through one of one, I I did not expect that at all. That was absolutely amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for sending that. Oh, of course. It's actually I found out it's two animation cells over each other, which I think. Yeah, is I wasn't cool. sure what because it was it was it was the, the twins from The Shining was like the background, mm-hmm. and was that now is that the, that's an original that he drew? So no, the I oh I don't I think the 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 Shining background is like he found like a high res photo of it, printed it out, and then laid oh, over two original animation cells over it to create that that little piece but like and he was like oh yeah of course and i was like how much and you know aaron's like absolutely not you're not paying me for this like just give it away (laughs) and uh and it was one of those things where i sent it but i sent it through like one of those like ups store things and it like did not show up for like nine weeks and i was like well it took a while yeah it took a while i was like that cool thing got lost but uh it eventually did make it to you and with without the letter that was in there which I think very interesting. I'm like, well, I don't know why you guys kept the letter. Right, right, exactly. But anyway, but, it got to you. But so the past is alive is your YouTube page, and it is at the past is alive. So just all those words yeah. with no spaces. And I was yeah. I was wondering like how and when you decided to create this channel. So it was the winter of 2018, and it actually came out through, through a suggestion from my brother. My brother sure most people have watched his videos or at least heard of him jab's family he had started the channel probably about a decade ago or so roughly and him and i used to go out hunting flea markets like typically i've been doing this for a long time going to flea markets and things of that nature but i didn't get back into the hobby till about 10 years ago 2013 2014 so i actually told him about him like hey i've been going out these places and seeing baseball cards and this and that and it was bringing back all these memories him and i started going out together on these hunts and i was taking those places that i found and then he started making videos about those places, and he told me, like, hey, you should do videos about vintage toys. Because that's, that's been a, a thing of mine for a long time, and I've always been more so a toy collector than a card collector. That's kind of, like, switched yeah. over the last several years, where, like, cards took precedence over toys, essentially. But that was the entire, that was the whole premise of it, was to start a vintage toy collecting channel and showcase, like, the things that I buy and, like, toy shows and conventions and stuff like that. It, it didn't last very long. I, I, I think my very first video was maybe like a recap of stuff I bought at a flea market. I think the second and the third one might have been like some rookie card videos. Like here's my rookie card collection that was just, I can't watch my earlier videos because they're so bad. <laughs> just like there's no enthusiasm in there whatsoever. I'm like, how did anyone ever watch this? It's horrible. But the longer you do something, the more comfortable you get with it and the easier it becomes as with anything else. So that's what I did in the beginning. I started doing some toy videos here and there, but it was so much easier for me to find cards when I go out as to the toys that I was looking for. Because I'm, I'm more so I collect toys, uh, action figures on the card or like sealed in, in box. I do. Like that. I do. I run a comedy I, show called Mint on Cards, so I totally understand that. 
yeah that's the stuff that i want i, I love the packaging i love the artwork on the packaging so like that i, I was like i'm gonna do this but i go back and buy them all brands do and not just buy 50 loose fingers on the flea market or, you know like the usually if you come across a box or a coat of flea market fingers are all sticky and like <laughs> like yeah. i'm just gonna i'm gonna buy these all brand new so i just play them hanging up on the wall and then you know, i made a few toy videos and then eventually just crossed over into more baseball cards cards in general and i'll still throw an occasional toy video here and there but that was november 2018 is when i decided to actually go for it and just dive right in 50 away from 22,000. so it's well, chugging along. if we're only 50 away from 22,000, I've got big, big orders for the people listening to this show, which is get your ass over to youtube.com slash at the past is alive and hit subscribe. First and foremost, you won't be upset. Second off, if you're there watching oh. a live video that John is doing, there's a good chance I'm in the comments interacting. So you can, Absolutely. you and me can watch the show together. Absolutely. And it's a great community. Everyone there is like, it's like we've been friends for years and it's all about the joy of collecting the hobby with humor thrown in there as well. We'll focus on a different pictures and cards and things of that nature. And just, I feel like I've done these guys for a very, very long time, most of my life. So <laughs> everyone is welcome there. The internet has definitely made the world smaller in regards to people finding their, their people and like Absolutely. realizing realizing that and and i think that's i think a lot everywhere when we look at like the prevalence of of nerdy things that existed and you're sitting there and you're just like man i'm the only person in 2005 still talking about the real ghostbusters and then you hit the internet <laughs> yeah. and then you realize that not only are you not alone but there are hundreds of thousands of of people that also do the exact same thing you do and that's you're absolutely, you're absolutely correct and, and like Especially like for for my age group, I'm not sure how old you are, Jeff. But I'm 39. Yeah, we're close in age. Here. I'm I'm a couple years yeah. older than you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people in our age bracket like don't really have friends that are going to talk about baseball cards or sports cards or even like toys, like mm -hmm. a niche market there. So yeah, the internet and, and YouTube brings all of us together. So it's like you have friends, so you have people that you can nerd out with and talk about cards. So right, it's. I think I am actually because you're based out of Ohio, right? I, I think I'm in a slightly I'm, luckier... I'm, outside, I'm about 30 minutes outside of Pittsburgh. Okay. So you're oh you're right outside of Pittsburgh. Okay. Um so I um it's about a half hour, but I spent a lot of time in Ohio Ohio is a hub for, for vintage things, cards and everything else, toys. Ohio has a lot of places like that, so I spent a lot of time out there. Uh, that does make okay, that explains because a lot of your videos you're like, here I went to Ohio and I did this. Uh and I get I do see that a lot. <laughs> Um, yeah. it's probably it's, 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 yeah, they're all, all the time. It's, it's super close. I'm too far away. So yeah, I live in a nerd hub, so it's probably a lot easier for me to find my people when, when you go to like stores like blast from the past or the Burbank sports cards or whatever, right. the irony being right. that I never intended to open sports cards until I watched your show. And awesome, I was, and I I was like, Oh, is it, is it awesome? Or is it a huge problem for me? That is now that is mostly <laughs> your fault. A lot, a lot of money. <laughs> I'm going to send you my therapy bills for me just being like one more break. Um, I take full responsibility for that. It, it is funny though. It it is one of those things where I think the difference between toys and trading cards because toys you have the thrill of the hunt, right? Like you're out there, right. you're looking. I was working at PowerCon a few years ago, and I collect clawful from Masters of the Universe, the Lobster Man. Yeah. And I, I found like a really good graded, AFA graded 
uh, Clawful and it was like a couple hundred bucks. And I was like, I was like, I just got this money from the game show and I'm here. I'm at the He-Man convention. I'm buying this damn thing. And I did. And that was thrilling. And now it's just on a display. With yeah. Cards, right, right. With cards, there is also like the gambling addiction to it. And when the payoff comes through, like every pack has Schrodinger's autograph. Like there's every pack has an autograph until right. it doesn't. Every pack is a hit until right. it's not. And that's what I think makes right. this so addicting, which is a problem, I guess. But, 100%. Uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely how the modern card market is. It is It is pretty much 100% gambling. Yeah. <laughs> and then the price to be paid for boxes and things of that nature now is... is what they used to be. Absolutely. And and you've actually discussed that on one of your one of your shows that you do on the channel. And actually, because it's funny, I'm going to we're going to start talking about those. But like I started to look at this and and so like you start in 2018 and you're and you're doing this. How how much because I know a lot of people, one of one of the problems, not a problem, but this is a thing that you have to deal with a lot. And and so now I'm getting that runoff, which means that like you're having like influence grandchildren here of yeah. a lot of my people are starting to get into breaking online and okay. they're like, Oh, I started watching, I must break you. And it was really fun. So now I'm doing Pokemon breaks or now I'm doing whatever. And I'm really fascinated by that. So when I'm, when I'm looking at you and I know what I invest into the channel, into my end to, to make something interesting or fun. Are you at the point now where like, the stuff that you're opening is stuff that's like you're like i found this or i've been sitting on this or somebody sent me this or how much of it is i went to a store to buy something to break because we're here now yeah the latter more so i spend i don't spend a lot of time online looking for stuff but i have certain times of the month where i do different openings so i've been opening 1990 tops for i don't even know how many years now looking for the elusive very rare <laughs> Frank Thomas, no name on front, obviously. People love to search for it. And so I'll buy those once a month, a few weeks prior to opening those. I usually do those on the first of each month. Ever since April Fool's Day a couple of years ago, I planted one in a pack. <laughs> I tried to play it off for a few minutes before I told everyone it was fake on, on April Fool's Day. So like that, I'll, I'll do in the middle of the month, I'll do a rip where I'm looking for chase cards, like autographs from the early 90s. Because back then, they didn't really companies didn't really put those in there as they do now, where you have a few packs and you pull an autograph, or you're guaranteed an autograph for a relic one per box. Like back then, it was like you had to open freaking up stuff yeah. in order to find an autograph. So did you ever? Thrill of like, I pulled not an, uh, not an autograph out of the 90s, but I did pull an elite card for the first time ever, like about, what was that? Yeah. A little, you, over, a little over a year ago, I pulled a Henderson Elite. Pull, I, was, I opened a case of 91 Donald. I was watching that. I actually saw you pull that, the Ricky Henderson. That was that was epic. I, I had given up hope on life and everything else. <laughs> At that point, I think I was like 16 boxes in. I was like, I just want this to be over. This is this because it's 91 Donald. So there's not there's nothing really fun about it. There's there's really no value to those cards. It, it's like, back then they were obviously fun because there was like stars like Phil Plantier and stuff that you wanted to get their rookies. That was our guy. Now. Yeah, now it's just like it's hard to look at because they, they either have the, the blue borders or the, or the green borders, depending on what series they are. And it's just like, let's get, let's just get through this. But I mean, the elites, no one really knows. There's not really a set odd number. Like, well, you can pull these one per case. There's like people have estimated. So I was like, whatever. I, I got a chance to get a case. I'll, I'll crack it. Maybe I can finally pull this cross it off of my hobby bucket list. And I did it. It took me hours of opening that wax nonstop. But after I think 16 boxes, I found a Henderson and. I was pretty. I was pretty stoked about that. That was pretty awesome. So, I'll set up my did, list. 
What did you do with the card? That actually, I sold spots. So I sold all 20 boxes. I sold them at cost, what I paid for the case. Because my whole thing is I just want to pull it. I don't necessarily yeah. want to own the card. I just want to pull it. I just want that feeling, the adrenaline rush of, holy shit, I pulled this card, basically. Like, mm -hmm. after all these years since I was a little kid, that, that was the big thing when you were a kid is to pull that card. And then years later, I got to finally experience that. I'm like, this is sick. And I sent it off to, I forget, I think his name is Jason. I think he might have submitted it to PSA. I think it might have came back in eight or nine. I think. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's I do that once a month, too. So, I don't spend a couple of days here on eBay randomly just looking across boxes I've been open for future breaks for stuff like that. And, I mean, it's all – the thing I like most about it is it's all affordable. Like, there's a ton of that stuff out there, and, like, anyone can afford that. Whereas, yeah. you can buy a box for 30 bucks basically, on eBay and, and have a chance of possibly pulling an elite card or an autograph, whereas – you buy a Holly Box now, it's tops. It's like $100. A jumbo is like $200. And like a lot of times, it's not worth the, the 200 bucks you spend on it. So it sure isn't. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it yeah. is gambling. I mean, that's to be fair, like, and this is going to be quite literally inside baseball for some of you. So I, I do apologize for that. But like sometimes you buy a box and you pull an incredible autograph that you're like, well, this is going to pay for the next six boxes. Absolutely. And then, and then, but most of the time you're like, oh, this guy who already got sent back down to the minors. <laughs> Instant regret. And like when I have a new packs, uh, like that's what I have like every time. Like I love it because I collect rookies by nature. I always have. So like mm -hmm. I'm, I'll still take the rookies and put them aside and keep them, see if the guys pan out over the next few years or put my PC, whatever it is. But yeah, it's most of the time it's just like I see people buying jumbos in 2024 and it's like I spent 200 bucks on this. I got like a $30 autograph. Yeah, but I did that. Yeah, exactly. So you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, bought, I bought one. And it's funny because on the break, people like the comments, like people have messaged me because I got I forget who the auto was, which is always a good sign of 2024. It was like I bought the, the uh, jumbo hobby for 180. And I was like, well, yep. look, it was the day it came out. And I'm like, I can save the receipt. I can write it off on my taxes because I'm filming it. Yeah. But I was like, so let's do this. And both of my relic cards were astros and oh, it's just one of those things where like there is not a more tainted baseball team Houston <laughs> astros. for those of you yep. that aren't sports nerds the houston astros got caught in one of the most blatant cheating scandals to win the world series in history so it's this like real and it's not that long ago so no matter how great jordan alvarez is there's still the stink of the players that came before him ruining it for him. So I was sitting there and I'm like, another damn Astro. What the? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, like Jose Altuve, great ball player. But yeah, I mean, he has they have all that stigma attached to them because yeah. of that scandal. I got lucky. I, I may have mentioned this to you, at least in the comments, because I, I, it's my like my badge of honor is when I was what nine years old. I bought a fat pack of uh, 1992 score for a dollar 49 and I pulled the mantle auto. What? Yeah. Yeah. The franchise mantle. Um, the mantle by himself or like this, the mutual and yes. Oh, too. Could you imagine that if I pulled the mantle? Mutual and yes. Yeah. <laughs> incredible, man. Yeah, That's inc still, the, I, I've done math on that before. And I, it's come down to like, you have to open like over a hundred cases, a hundred cases. So 20 boxes per case. So I have a chance of pulling that that mantle autograph. autograph. And this so was a, a dollar forty nine out of my own childhood money to get ninety two score, which would have been a which would have been the worst investment if the gamble didn't pay out. That's um, absolutely insane, man. You do still have it. 
I, well, okay. So here, here's the story for that. Now in college, I sold it for rent because I needed to pay right. rent and the baseball card market had fallen apart. I didn't really care about baseball cards anymore. It was around 2001. Right. And I was just like, look, I need to pay my rent and I can't live in this cardboard rectangle. I can't eat it. I can't drive it. The thing that I think is important for us to remind our listeners, readers, watchers, whatever is this hobby is frivolous. It is what it is. Like it's if the world collapsed, our hobby would be the first thing to become worthless, right? Right. Like it's not it's not something that we it's it's nostalgia. It's literally the name of your channel. The past is alive. Right. It's the drug of nostalgia. So I was like, I came to peace with the fact that I had to sell it. And I was like, you know what? It's fine. You know, you did yourself a favor 10 years ago. Let's move this. And so, but I'd always lamented it. I remember the serial number on it. Number one, four, five, eight, 2000. Wow. Ray, my, the guy who was doing the break that you dropped in on and my co-host on the nerd podcast actually as a gift found one and sent it to me as a, as a thank you as a present. And that was amazing. Wow. Yeah. That is absolutely incredible. Yeah. So I got it. I got it back and that was uh, pretty rad, but this is, the show isn't about me. It's about you. And, uh, and you do have, so you do a show. So I'm going to give some shorthand, some, some shorthand for people that aren't familiar with this world. When you talk about packs of cards, we, we have a thing called wax and wax is usually the stuff from the eighties and nineties or before. And that era, the era that John and I, and a lot of you grew up in is an era that is now known as junk wax because it is worthless pretty much. Do you have John, a favorite junk wax era of card, like a, a favorite set? There's a couple that stand out of my head. I, I, I have a hard time considering them junk wax. If I had to pick an actual like mass produced set from that era, it would probably be 91 Bowman, honestly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so 1991 Bowman, which would have been, so Bowman came back in 1989, right? Yeah. Yes. It, it was gone. And then they came back. It was tops was sitting there being like, Hey, we've, people are buying a lot of baseball cards. We should make even more. Let's bring back Bowman. Is that what well, it was? Back, yeah, the, last, the last year of Bowman was 1955. The, the television set bull cards. And yeah, they took a hi hiatus until 99. They came back out with the elongated cards, which, as a kid, I didn't really like them. I don't think a lot of collectors liked them because them. they stuck out of top loaders. They stuck out of penny sleeves. They stuck out of binder pages. You had to buy specialized everything just to accommodate these big ass cards. <laughs> so, but you had the Kangaroo Virginia rookie card in there. So that was the saving grace of that set essentially. But even to this day, they're still overproduced. You can still buy a wax box of those for $40 or less most of the time with shipping included. And the complete sets of those are 20 bucks. Yeah. I've seen a lot of times for $10. So it's just, that is the epitome of junk wax when they are mass producing, just printing the hell out of all these cards to, and to, to a scale that like, I don't think a lot of us really comprehend. Like I tell people that all the time. When you, when you look back and on eBay, like a hundred listings for an 87 tops box. And a lot of people are familiar with 87 tops. It's an iconic set, the wood border. The wood grain but, border. Yeah. yeah. I've talked to people that say the print runs were two, three, four million per card. I've talked to shop owners that have said it's more like closer to 20 million per card. And it makes sense because you have over 30 years later, you still have a ton of these available for 30 bucks a piece. 
<laughs> it's, right? it's insane. Like the, yeah. uh, the, the sheer scale that they are printing these cards in and, and people look back and like, well, it's 30 years old. It's got to be worth something. Like not necessarily. There, there's so much of it out there. Everybody has a shoebox with Barry Bonds rookies and stuff in, in their attic. Like a lot, most people have that. I see it constantly when people call me to buy collections. I, I have to have it. I have that same talk, I don't know how many times a week, where I'm like, yeah, this is, this is 80s, 90s stuff. I know you think that it's old. It, it is old, essentially, but that doesn't make it worth value, essentially. So I, I have to explain the whole junk wax era thing. And there are sets from the junk wax era that I don't consider junk wax, like 90 Leaf, which was produced on, like, a lesser scale. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they have much more value to them. Like, if you look at the Frank Thomas 90 Leaf card and, like, guys from that set, they have much more value to them to this day. And they did back then, too, so... Yeah. I mean, I, we, that was similar to like, I worked at a comic book and collectible store back in Massachusetts and we would have a lot of people that would bring in their nineties image comics, ready to, ready to cash in and all their, all their money from brigade and stuff. And we'd be like, Oh, Hey, yeah, this is not worth anything anymore. Sorry. Yeah. It sucks too, because I feel like they think that I am lying to them. In most cases, and I, when I explain this to somebody, I try to pull up and show them, physically show them, like, hey, like, here's eBay, here's the sold listings, this card, because there's a, there's an app out there called Collects. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, C-O-L-L-X. So what this app is, it's four sports cards. You take a picture of whatever card you have, and it brings up an average of sales from eBay. But what the problem with it is is that it brings in all of the graded cards, too. So I've seen um, people that have 91 tops, Ricky Henderson. Or whatever it might may be, and they're like, "Oh, this app is telling me this is worth three hundred bucks." It, it's not. You can find that card in any ten cent box at any card show you go to. It's a mass, it's mass produced junk wax, but it's it's bringing in those PSA tens, those high grades into that average number, and and it's throwing a lot of people off because they're looking at three hundred dollars. I'm telling them it's worth five cents or ten cents. <laughs> so you gotta have to show people proof that their cards aren't. You're like, I'm not lying. I'm not lying. Yeah, exactly. Seems like I'm lying, but I'm not I've, lying. I have that conversation constantly. Like I, 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 I pride myself on being very honest with everyone on what their stuff's worth. Because I do go and I look, I look at a lot of collections. I get a lot of phone calls. I usually get one to two phone calls a day of people saying, hey, I have cards. I don't want them anymore. Can you come take a look at them? How do they and know to call time, you? Just from Google. Just they type in sports cards near me on Google. And when I had a retail store two years ago, the fastest live store, storefront, it's still on Google. So I, I've left it up there to this day. No address, obviously, but there's a phone number on there. So people could call me directly and say, hey, I have cards for sale. I don't know to do with them. They're, they're in my attic and I'll go and meet them somewhere, or go to their house even. And sometimes it works out. Sometimes I get some good collections. Other times it's 90s junk wax. It's not worth anything, but. I still like to do it. I still like to see what people have and, and the thrill of the hunt, obviously. Yeah. So, God, that's got to be fun. So like once a week, roughly, you go out to look? Uh, yeah, maybe maybe, maybe even more so. I, I, had, I had a call yesterday. of There was a guy that called me that actually had juveniles in a, in a uh, detention center. That's probably about 20 minutes up the road from my house. He's like, hey, I have two good, two clients here that they have sports cards from the 80s and 90s that they want to sell. I'm like, all right. I think there was football and baseball. I was like, I'm, I'm, there's, and in those years, you could find decent stuff. It's not all worthless. That's what I was trying to tell people too. That there are good cards from this overproduced era. Like if you look at football, you have Barry Sanders and Deion Sanders and everyone else. But most of it is not going to be what people think. It's not going to make them rich essentially. So yeah, unless you have like the '86 Topps football set, it's going to be harder. Yeah, exactly. You Jerry Rice and like some people may have those, and like they could they could be perfectly centered and like just crisp and pristine. 
And essentially, they, that could make you, they could make you a rich person. If you have a Jerry Rice and it's perfect, you send it in, you get a 10, like you are now rich. <laughs> For the most part. So that's a lot of money in your, in your hands now. So what's, what's the best thing you've ever found in one of these calls? Oh, I, I bought a collection recently that had a few Mickey Mantles in it. It was so, it was probably about 70,000 cards, roughly, I would say. There were, I think, 11 5,000 count boxes. And I've done it for so long that I can just pop the lid off and I can just know exactly what years are in there based on like the color scheme of all yeah, the different the colors, rows. You, know, like you look, you see the plaid, it's like it's 88 Donra. So yellow, that's 91 Fleer and so oh, yeah. on and so forth. 86 tops, you can tell what that is just based, just seeing the cards in, in the columns there. So that was like pretty much all overproduced stuff. But the guy had a tin full of nothing but 60s and 70s cards. And a lot of them had rubber bands around them, which is terrible, but that sometimes it ruins cards, obviously. But I mean, there were some mantles in there. And he also had uh, a bunch of scrapbooks, which was so freaking cool, man. I don't know if you, if you saw the video I did, it was did probably, video, yeah. it was like a preview video that I did a live stream and the live stream kind of didn't go all that well because I, I didn't realize my Wi-Fi, my phone was turned off while I was doing it until <laughs> like after the video was over and everyone's like, this, this, this stream is filmed at like eight bit man or whatever. Like it was pretty bad. But yeah. um, there was a lot of good stuff in there. And the scrapbooks were amazing because the guy that put them together, he literally had like editorial, like, you know, all kinds of stuff clipped out of the newspaper from the 60s and 70s articles about Mickey Mantle, about Pete Rose. He actually got like the little photo um, corners. And instead of gluing the cards into the scrapbook, he put the photo corners in there and, and they're all well preserved. Um, so pretty there was a, that's there was pretty couple, amazing. It's pretty rare. It was amazing. Yeah, I've never seen anything like that before. The scrapbooks, all the articles, and just he has a Mickey Mantle article on one page, and then next to it is a 1969 Tops Mickey Mantle, like in great condition. So, so, so what that was, are you going like, to send that one in for grading? Or I, I think so. So I was doing SGC there for a little while. I sent. I never really set out to be a Mickey Mantle collector. My dad, that was my dad's favorite baseball player. So he has a few of his cards still in his collection to this day. But it just came out of nowhere. I started getting calls for random stuff. And, and before I knew it, I started having mantles. And now I probably have, I don't know, maybe 20 of them or so. Okay. So I was like, I'm going to start, I'm going to start sending all these in. And they're all, I don't, I don't, the only 50, 50s mantle I have is a 58 all star card. I have two of those. One's an SGC six, but the rest are all 60s. But still, I still like to have mantles no matter what they are. Yeah. And that's, uh, that I, seems I like a, it's like Michael Jordan. But of baseball, right? You like, yeah, you, you, you essentially can't go wrong with with, with collecting or, you know, or mantle or vintage, whatever it may be. I feel like you're taking a big risk if you're putting a lot of money into new players. I mean, look at one the whole Wander Franco scandal. Like <sighs> people were paying people paid you know over 100 grand for a couple of his cards, probably more than that, honestly. And look at them now. You see them in the, in nickel boxes now yeah. uh, at card shows and everything else. So for most of you that don't know, uh, Wander Franco is was a baseball player for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. He was considered one of the best prospects of a very long time. And he also got uh, arrested for uh, pedophilia. So yeah, which it's is gonna... it's still it's still an ongoing case, but it doesn't look good for him. Yeah, yeah. He got arrested for it. He's not convicted yet, but the evidence doesn't yeah. look great. No, it doesn't look good at all. So yeah, people were literally just sinking so much money into his stuff and now it's it's all pretty much worthless no one wants yeah. it yeah you can always see that you always know the guys that really did invest because all of a sudden they've become pretty pretty big on the constitution and they're like well he hasn't been unproven it's unproven yet and it's like come on man no. you could see all this evidence and they're like he's, right. he's innocent he's innocent this is his screw job <laughs> and i'm like uh, I, yeah like, hey, people, man, i mean 
the evidence definitely seems to point to him being guilty. Yeah. So well, I guess we'll see what happens, but it's, it definitely does not does not look good to, for him at all whatsoever. It doesn't. I'm gonna. That's a perfect a perfect transition to what does look good. Actually, I don't know if you know this, John, but I have a Patreon. It's Patreon.com/slash Jeff Major E F F M A Y. And if you go there, you can actually sign up to become a producer of this specific show. Very exciting. What that means is you pay me a little bit of money and I say your name a few times on this show and me and my guest, John, in this case, we might comment on it. We might talk about it, but either way, we're going to say that name. So, John, I'm going to read some names. We can talk about them if you want, or we can just keep moving. You ready? Absolutely. All right. Sure. We're going to shout out, call me Sean or whatever. You actually have a lot of interesting people on your channel, too, as well. When you see like the names come up that you're used to when you're like, oh, ripping for Ripkins like that. Yeah, most, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, I, I, I do love that we have these like Internet existences where it's just like we have our name and then we have like our Internet superhero name. Oh yeah, there's definitely people. There's definitely people that I that I still talk to that I don't even know their names. I just know them from their YouTube names. Right? Yeah. But I mean, that's they're all they're always they're always there. And then eventually, a couple of years down the road, they're like, "Oh, I'm so and so," or I'll meet them in public somewhere. I'm like, "Oh, no kidding, that's crazy." Yeah, so, I, I'll get that. Are you? Hey there, Jeffro. I'm like, yep, yep, that's me. Wow. Yep. Somebody I played on Marvel Snap found me on Twitter because, and I was like, "This is weird. This is a weird thing." No kidding. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I just, I, Marvel, Marvel Snap is like a silly little, like, if I have 10 minutes, that doesn't give me enough time right. to do much, but I'm like, I'm going to play one of these. Shout out to the Oatmeal Savage. Are you an oatmeal guy? Like, I really am not. Really yeah. not. I haven't had it in forever. Usually, like, every time I eat oatmeal, like, it like makes my stomach, like, upset. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I used to love it. I used to I've love, I used to love the little Quaker oatmeal packets. And then I think it was like in college, I was like taking some kind of science class and somebody was like, yeah, those are just sugar. It's just a bag of sugar. <laughs> I, was like, yeah. I was like, but it tastes so good. And they're like, yeah, of course it tastes so good. It's yeah, absolutely. Ah, oh, damn it. Shout out to watch me use these prehensile nipples to pick up pennies off the floor. Okay. Shout out to, yeah. Oh, that's not the weirdest. Uh, check. <laughs> Check out this month's Nerd with Dre and Jeff. We just released our episode on Doom, 2005's Doom. You ever see that movie, Doom, with The Rock? With The Rock? You know what? I've still never seen that. Don't. You don't have to. We're going to talk about movies that you should or shouldn't see that people have been harassing you to watch. Uh, Oh, yeah. Every day. Yeah, we're doing nerd. We're doing a season on unfortunate video game adaptations. So we did Street Fighter, Doom, and I believe next month we're doing Double Dragon. Oh, nice. Which is it? Is it nice or is it a punishment that I put myself through in order to make people happy? <laughs> which which one is it? Punishment. Yeah. Shout out to Normal Man, Andrew McGuire. Shout out to Dan Hackroyd. Shout out to Norm from Cheers. Shout out to Dan Adamski, world's humblest man. Did you watch Cheers when you were a kid? Was that a thing that was like always on with your family? I did not like Cheers. So no. when that came on, it was time for me to change the channel. Yeah, but now, all these years later, I have an appreciation for it. I was talking to someone about that recently. I, I actually like it. I enjoy it now. I can watch it. So I watched it during the pandemic. I started to like rewatch it. I didn't realize that Sam and Diane got together so fast. Yeah, honestly. I, That's I about when I started watching it too. That They're like the prototype of will they, won't they? I guess in like modern TV, like there's, oh, they go to Sam and Diane thing going. And I watched it and I'm like, there, it's the first season. Right. Like, how yeah, are you guys holding this up for so long? <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. I didn't waste any time. 
Yeah, they, they really went for it. Shout out to Bart Fartigan. Shout out to the Tubi Terror Bunny says the strike may be over, but egg Bob Iger anyway, because them. There we go. <laughs> you, Bob Iger. Unless Disney buys my channel, in which Bob Iger, you're the best man who ever lived, and I love you forever. Yeah. Shout out to Mr. Billy Beck. Shout out to Carson. We love Carson. Shout out to Carson. Is that Carson Daly? Probably. Um, uh, shout out to Aldo Vargas is a couple months behind on his podcast, but he'll hear this eventually. Good to hear you from the future, Aldo. The scene in Lost that was brought to you by the scene in Lost City where Brad Pitt dies. That name used to be the scene in Meet Joe Black where Brad Pitt dies. This person just keeps finding movies where Brad Pitt dies and sponsoring the show from it. I'm into it. Shout out to the ghost of Dave Thomas. You're a Wendy's guy? No, you're a Taco Never Bell. Seen Meet, Meet Joe Black. You, you don't have to. Yeah, yeah Taco fun. Bell uh, big staple in my life. So you're a big Taco Bell fan. It's actually really funny. They th There's like a Taco Bell near me. And every once in a while, I'll drop by it and I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to have diarrhea today. And then I pull in. I've never had that problem. People always have that, that issue with like getting the shit after they eat Taco Bell, but I like have never had that problem in my life. I don't know what it is, but I have an iron stomach. I have, I've just been away from Taco Bell in recent months. It was taking a toll on me, I guess you could say. Yeah. I switched to Chipotle, but like, I mean, I was going to Taco Bell Ooh. literally every day, maybe t twice a day, sometimes three times a day for like 20 years. Jesus. And yeah, I finally like looked at like the sodium content oh, of Taco no. Bell recently, and I was and I was like, this is probably not good. <laughs> so ever since then, and not to mention, I, I was working on a video a couple years back where I was uh, trying to figure out how much I spent at Taco Bell. I was gonna put it out last year, but I just never got around to it. So in 2022, I got up through like July, going through my bank statements, totaling it all up. I was like at like eight thousand dollars, like come by July. No. I'm in, in good shape. I, I'm six foot five. I weigh. 220 pounds so it's not like i'm morbidly obese but i was eating it every single day because i love it <laughs> so i thought was if you love something might as well just stick with what you like and that's and i get the same thing every day never get tired of it finally as of recently i was like i should probably start watching my health i'm almost 40 years old so as the day after christmas i stopped smoking cigarettes after 25 years so oh wow months on that so about two months here in a few days and i stopped eating taco bell i mean i'll eat it like once a week or once every two weeks now but it's not every single day anymore. so yeah. for a long time i guess it's no i i do like a cheesy gordita crunch i do enjoy that every once in a while it's a tasty treat the flavor profile is insane i'm not gonna pretend Absolutely. it's healthy but anytime <laughs> it's definitely not healthy people in la they they love street tacos it's like their favorite yeah. thing. And I can't stand, like, I'm just like, you can't tell me that this tastes better than a cheesy gordita crunch. It's better for you and made of like real meat. Right. But also, right, like, right. I don't go to Taco Bell because I'm expecting real meat. And shout out to the new ad campaign, Friends of the Show, Portugal the Man. They are the, um, they are the current spokespeople of Taco Bell, which I think is very fun. Shout out to, I'm going to start calling Yoda old Grogu just to see what happens. Are you a Star Wars guy? You don't peg me as a Star Wars guy. You know what? I don't Star Wars so much. I was always much more of an Indiana Jones guy. No, oh, there you go. There's action Star Wars at that point. Do you collect yeah. Indiana Jones stuff at all? Yeah, I do. To an extent. Um, you know, it's not one of my like primary collections, but I will buy things here and there. Nice. I I never really got into Indiana Jones as a kid. Like I thought I like I've watched them all, but I don't know. Like I never really I, I like Last Crusade. I think that's. I think it was more movie. so just because of my dad. 
Oh, yeah. My dad was always an Indiana Jones. He was never really so much into Star Wars. So I think that's why I ended up uh, just not being too into it as a kid. That's fair. I mean, I get it. Like, right, we are, we do, we do absorb the things of our parents. I think that's why I liked hockey. My dad really liked watching Bruins hockey. And so that's like in my DNA to enjoy hockey, even though I can't skate, can't play. You know, I was a mess as a kid. Couldn't do that, but I did love the concept of hockey just because my dad liked it. And that stuck around. Shout out to mashed potatoes are the brioche buns of side dishes. It's an interesting inside joke about how I think both are overrated. Do you uh, do you have a favorite side dish? Like, do you have like a go to thing that you're going to order at a restaurant? Getting a meal with your side? It's always potato related, I'd say. You're yeah, a big like potato guy. Yeah, I always love the French fries that you get at like those Greek restaurants where they're like the French fries that that are like fried with like they have like bumps all over them. You know the ones I'm talking uh, about? Yeah, yeah. That's a perfect French. Speaking of potatoes, you can actually power an alarm clock off of potatoes. I do. Know that. I remember. I remember that was like a that was like a whole that's like a famous science project that kids. Yeah, used to like do, right? potatoes were generating like one volt electricity. I was actually watching MacGyver this morning, and he had his his clock radio was powered off of two potatoes. This is the least surprising thing I've ever experienced is you saying. So I was watching MacGyver this morning, which is like so perfect. Finally, last producer name here. Finally, we have a shout out to the enchanted, wandering, unpierced left nipple cider served at room temperature. I'm not going to try to pretend to make sense of that name. I'm just going to say thank you for your money. If you want me to say your ridiculous or thought-provoking or just regular standard name, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash Jeff May and sign up for one of the tiers where you can be a Jeff has cool friends producer. And you can be that. Back to the conversation at hand. John, you have different videos that you put up and you put up a video. Is it five days a week? Which one was that that you said five days ago? Uh, oh, there you go. You are. This is a very different uh, audio. This is very clear as well. I'm back on Wi-Fi now, finally. Oh, so look at that. That that is a night and yeah. day. So Good. you, I was gonna say you you put videos up. Is it about five five a week? I mean, there's some weeks where I'll do five. It, it just it all depends on the time of the month that it is. There's definitely weeks where I I don't I won't put up one video. It's just a matter of what I find on my hunts at flea markets. If I have collection calls, if somebody wants to send me uh, like a, a subscription box to open up. It's just, but I'd, I'd say on average, it's probably about two to three. Okay. Yeah. Cause roughly. you do, so like you've, I know you've started to do like mailbag Mondays where every Monday you used yes. to do a video of like, here's the stuff that I got in. And I think I, the thing yeah. I sent you was in one of the first, I think it was, yes. Where you were like that and you're like, I have all this. And then you were, and it was funny cause it was weeks later and you're like, and I got this weird thing that's <laughs> awesome. And I don't know where it came from. And I was watching it and I was like, <laughs> that's what yeah. I was like, it's me, it's me. That's mine. That's the thing I was telling you is coming that I, I didn't want to tell you what it was. I, I thought it was from somebody else. I'm like, who sent me this? This thing is so cool. I'd be like, I, I don't know who to thank. Yeah. I was like, it's me, it's me. I did that. So, <laughs> so mailbag Mondays is, is, is really interesting where it's, you're like a bunch of people sent me a bunch of stuff here's what it is. Isn't this cool? Let's open some of these packs. You get a lot of like custom cards people send you, which are really fun. Yes. The, the one where the, there's this guy, he's like, he's a, an unhinged madman genius. There's this, I forget what his name is off the top of my head. So I'm so sorry if he is listening. I oh, think you are brilliant. It's the guy that hey, did like the all name on front. Yes. His name was chaos. His YouTube name is chaos. One, one, six, two, four, I believe. Oh, wow. 
Yes, he does custom cards, and and like he is he is a creative genius. The stuff that he comes up with is is <laughs> it's phenomenal. It works perfectly. Yeah, he does these like, inverted error cards. Like there's this famous 1989 Fleer uh, card of Randy Johnson, where there's a Marlboro ad in the back that they've like corrected, and he did one where it's like Randy Johnson, but the head is a cigarette, and his face is on the billboard in the background. Yes. Yeah, it says and he, he he puts them in one touch magnetic uh, cases and then he prints out like a, a custom PSA looking uh, sticker and label to put on there. And yeah, that one was hilarious. It, it was called the the Marlboro Red was what he called the card. And it was just, it was a, it was a it was just, I think it was two cigarettes sticking out of a pack of Marlboro Reds and it had Randy Johnson's face on the scoreboard and then said error Randy Johnson on the scoreboard. I the, I, I, you do these auctions every once in a while and you had some up and I like desperately wanted one, but I think it got up to like 80 bucks or something like that. And I was like, I really, yeah. I don't know if I can spend 80 on it. Very surprised by, by what those went for. They were, I think he sent me, he sent me two original ones and people fell in love with them. And mm -hmm. then he sent me like four, four of each. I want to say that. So the, there was a, the Frank Thomas all name on front, which was a parody of the no name on front. Instead of that, it just had a load of text blocks of his name on it covering up the entire card practically yep so beautiful energy <laughs> like absolutely yeah. fantastic energy the fourth bros box he, he created those and those tie in a lot of like inside jokes on my channel with like the mike walk the floating mike walked in who so you, uh, by the way he apparently he's he's seen my videos yes and he, he thought it was hilarious because you you ended up there's this card there's a top stadium club ser series three from like 1991 I want to say nice. okay and there's this guy Mike Walkton and the way the photo is taken it looks like he's levitating yeah it's taken from a from a low a point of view so he's standing over it was obviously taken like ground level he's standing up and it looks like if you look at the card real quick it looks like he's floating in in thin air mm -hmm. and then stadium club this awesome thing back in like 91 92 93 where they put that person's rookie on the back of the card it was a tops rookie and i thought that was so cool as a kid i'm like yeah. this is awesome and that was the card on the back so you had this creepy floating guy levitating on the front and then you flip it over in the back and then it's the exact it's just a picture of the front of the card it's like this card is an, an anomaly this is awesome <laughs> so yeah. i did a video like opening a box of those you can buy a box for like 20 bucks 15 bucks something like that they're not i mean they're not really valuable at all whatsoever but I opened a box and then looking for this Mike Walkton and it was titled Mike Walkton hunt in 92 stadium club. And somebody commented on my video, like within the last few days and they're like, Hey, like if you want Mike to sign that card, he will, he's the one who told me to watch this video. He thought it was awesome. Mike Walkton himself has watched that video of, of me hunting for his rookie card. That has to feel really great. He thought it was hilarious too. Like, so and I've seen people people have created memes on like the the, the passes a lot of Facebook group. Mm -hmm. I want to believe, and it's just a picture of him floating and like yeah. So there's all kinds of like God. I, I I really do I really do like that. That was there a similar. We did a an episode of Nerd on the Tick comic book. Remember the Tick, like the cartoon. And yeah, stuff? we absolutely. did one on the comic, and I think Dre somebody tagged like Ben Edlund, and he listened to the whole thing and was like, "I love this episode. It's incredible." And he like shared it and told everybody like the guy that created the tick, who's now like a famous TV writer and producer. It's like, yeah, I took a, I took an hour and change out to listen to your little podcast. And I was like, that is, that's the best feeling ever. That is so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So like that you did, you have this inside joke with Mike walked and he just is like, yeah, I absolutely saw it. And I, 
shared it with all my friends because that's got to be like, I mean, people, he probably like a couple times a week, people will be like, did you really pay, play baseball? He's like, yeah, I did. I made it to the show and doing that thing. And then uh, he's like, oh, also there's this, this YouTube channel that's obsessed with my baseball card to the point where they filmed their video looking for it. <laughs> Same thing with like that. The Dennis Cook 93 for deck with him on the back, like looking like a homicidal maniac. And like, there, there's so many ones like that. And since you're talking about things like that, there was actually the wife of, I think it was Bart Sears, who was involved in Marvel. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. He used to do all the wizard know, covers. He, he, his wife reached out to me a couple months ago, late last year, and said that I guess they watched my Cops and Crooks video from a long time ago. This is oh, probably, yeah. I don't know. Four or five years ago, when I first started channel, I did a, a video on my my collection of those figures. He's like, well, we came across this, and my husband thought it was so cool that you were showing all these, and he had a, he had a, a big hand in designing these these figures and the oh, artwork wow. and everything else. Awesome. And I don't think she said that. He, I, I think she said that he didn't have any like original stuff laying around. A lot of it got thrown away. But like just the fact that she reached out to me, I like, think two or three different emails, just saying how how cool he thought that was, and he watched my videos. That's that's so awesome. It makes it all worth it. I used to love Bart Sears in the 90s because he did. He was like Wizard Magazine. Do you remember Wizard Magazine, the comic book magazine? I don't know. So he, so Wizard was like the Beckett of comics. Oh, wow. So if, if that, there you go. I found a way to make you understand. So I, Wizard, Wizard was like the magazine for the comics industry. And it was massive. It was huge. Like it outsold comics. Like it was such a big deal. And, and Bart Sears was like the go-to cover artist so like that name means a lot to me because i have seen his work so much so it's so funny that you mentioned that i was yeah, wondering where that. you were going with that actually because you were like bart sears and i was like he doesn't mean the comic book guy does he yeah he i guess he, he did a lot of stuff that i wasn't even aware of he was involved in x-men and all kinds of stuff oh but yeah that is, ooh, I, I, I i didn't recognize the name yeah but Brooks is you, one of my favorite our favorite did, toy line did you watch line. the x-men cartoon as a kid I did. It wasn't one of my favorites. I, I had my like set favorites and the same thing with collecting toys. I have like the set favorites that I have and like, that's really about it. So I've watched like Batman, they made series and like gargoyles and stuff like that. It depends on what time frame it was, but I, I did watch X-Men. It wasn't one of my personal favorites though. Yeah. You were so bad. What, what were your favorites? So you had gargoyles, you had Batman, the animated series. Yeah, it spurts like you know in '86 and on. It was like real Ghostbusters until like Turtles came on, and I, I'd watch both of those. And Turtles was like what '87, '88, '87, yeah, '87, and then pretty concurrently like with little yeah. a couple of year dips, and then they would bring it right back. Yeah, 1987, I think it came, it, it debuted or whatever. But yeah, so then there was that, and Cops and Crew or Cops came on in '88 also, yeah. and that was Central Organization of, of Police Specialists. Yeah, so essentially it was it was set in the year twenty twenty. It was just, uh, it was it was set to, like the intro was so awesome, the show was awesome, the characters are great, and then like two came out, and then it's Batman the animated series, a, a show that I think still holds up to this day. And then Gargoyles came out the same year. And I was super into both of those shows as like a eight year old kid. Do you have you opened Gargoyles trading cards on camera? I want to say I did a long time ago. Those definitely have a tendency to be bricked up. From what I've seen, I, I think somebody sent me a box years ago and I opened it for a random mail day video, but I do have one still sealed that I've thought about opening recently. Same. I actually, I opened one. I don't remember mine. I think mine weren't bricked. I think they were paper. Yeah. That, I think the ones that I opened at one point were like, they just got, must have got moisture. Yeah. Water. 
what happened to them. Yeah, same with Batman cards. I didn't think that those could get bricked up, but a lot of those that I've opened well, before. The, the 89, the tops ones, not the the Stadium Club. These are the the M8 series ones. Yeah, the, oh. the, I found the market, so they must have been like, I don't know. Something happened to these, but they got moisture in there, and they were all up, so it's made me steer clear of buying boxes of those. Buying buying boxes of 90s cards is a hell of a gamble. It is. Because yeah. depending on the gloss that that whatever they used on there, like it's almost like a resin where if it is ever stored in heat, then like you're like, well, you've wasted a lot of money. I remember they had yeah. Burbank Sports Cards had a box had boxes of 1992 Marvel masterpieces for like four hundred dollars. That was like the first one, the first run yeah. of Marvel masterpieces. And I yeah. told him, I was like, look, we both know that the odds are those are going to be bricked. I will pay you $200 with the understanding that I know they're probably bricked, but I'm taking right. a gamble. I was like, and even if they're bricked, I won't come back and complain. I won't leave a bad review. I'll just say this is exactly what it was. And right. they, they they then agreed, and then they pulled all of them off of the shelves, which makes me think they just went and sold them online or something. Yeah. But I did. They weren't bricked, which was nice. Yeah, um, sometimes you get lucky. I mean, I, I ran into that problem literally the last Tuesday rip that I did. I, so I do breaks twice a month. I call It's called Turn Back the Clock Tuesday. I go back up an old, mostly older wax boxes, whatever it may be, 80s, 90s stuff, even some 2000s. But uh, I did 90, 96 Stadium Club. And it was a 95. I think it was 96. And the first pack in, I'm like, oh, these are freaking bricked up. Open another pack. They're bricked up. They weren't, they weren't salvageable. So I ended up having to just junk that whole box. And I went with another box I had on the shelf, 95. 95 wasn't bad. So yeah. Yeah. You can... cool. If you can find them for a good price, definitely by all means buy them. But there are certain brands in the 90s that I will not go near, like with a 10 foot pole, like 93 per deck notorious for breaking like i don't really really think it matters so much how they're stored it's just they that those cards just had that they have that uv ultra varnish coating that just destroyed them all these years later yeah so and it sucks Jeter's series 293 per deck is a Jeter series so i do have one box of that and like you can tell just by moving the pack wrapper around if there's like any flexibility and usually always tell if they're brick most of the time. And the, the one box I have actually feels like it might be good, but I, I don't I can't bring myself to open it. It's just so like, it is that idea of like, while it's sealed, it is still perfect. But once you pull yeah. it, yeah, just you like. never know. So and it's tough because there, there's some really good years that have potentially great cards. Like each row in the 01 tops. 01 tops is another one. I would not, I would never touch a box of those because they are just notorious for, for being ruined. Yeah, I, I mean, it wasn't ruined. So it, it is very interesting. It's funny. Like I did we because like I also open packs of cards with I do sports cards mostly with Adam Todd Brown, my co-host on You Don't Even Like Sports and You Don't Even Like the Show and all that. And we did we opened a box of 91 Upper Deck and we I pulled a Jordan and he's from Illinois and he's like a big Jordan fan. And I pulled the Jordan baseball SP and I was just like, dude, I can't keep this like it's yours. Take it. And then he sent it in and it came back as a 10. So I was like, I, really? like I, I just gave you $500. <laughs> yeah, that's and, crazy. And he wow. he had already had it in a nine. And he's like, here, just take this nine. And he's like, it's yours now. Uh, but that was, it was, no, that's definitely still cool. That's, I mean, that's a, a tough pull. Yeah, yeah, no. no. You typically want every two, three, four boxes before you 
Jordans. Yeah, we mentioned SP. That means short print. That means that they don't. They are not coming in with the frequency of a standard card that you would get out of a pack of cards. It was funny because Adam, like, we started out doing stuff together on a website called Cracked, which was very popular before it got very bad. And one of the people that watches our breaks was actually the wife and maybe the guy, but like they owned the card shop he went to as a kid. So oh, they wow. were like, hey, we watch your stuff. You keep mentioning this store. That was our store. And they sent us a bunch of like old wax that we used to have that they still had left over. And they were like, well, we still have this left over in the attic from the store. And they like sent him a bunch of stuff from the store he used to buy from. No kidding. Isn't that weird? That's wild. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so you have to turn back the clock Tuesdays, which are it's basically you and your friends sitting down on a Tuesday and you're opening something that was like, hey, this this is a 20 year old box, probably or even more. Right. Yeah, and the, the, whole, the whole reason why I started that series is like so that I can go back and open boxes that I've never that, that I never got to before, essentially, because I, I mean, my collection primarily is rookie cards. As a kid, I always wanted the bigger name rookies and stuff like that. And all these years later, I collect the Hall of Famers, the star players, rookies and error cards. That's primarily what I mostly collect and some of the wax and you know sets and things like that. But as far as base cards, inserts, I don't really have a place in my my collection for those but there's all these boxes that i never got to open as a kid that were maybe they're too expensive or whatever it may be all these years later i get the chance to actually go back and open them for the first time because there are people that still collect these sets and still want these insert cards so i i learned pretty quickly when i was starting on mine i was like when i add, i added a tier on my patreon so like i used to be obsessed with don west if you remember, yeah, of course so yeah, if you remember him and he would do the whole thing where you'd be watching the home shopping or the shop at home or whatever and he'd be like you gotta get this you got oh, and so he's flipping out man i have a coronary basically you, screaming and threatening you that you need to buy this you're gonna regret it for the rest of your life and he was <laughs> like you could get the Ken griffin jr rookie card yeah, yeah. and he like that was the thing well i started ending podcasts by yelling in a don west voice like I'd be like, you get the John Jabs rookie card, everybody. <laughs> Give me a 10. I would I would do that. And so it, it became this running theme, right? Where where it would be like whatever. And I actually have somebody sent me a Don West rookie card from TNA autographed. Oh wow. Like one of those like TNA impact Don West cards. That is, that is epic. I do have that. That was like the first cards I ever got graded for myself were cards that only meant something to me it was the don west rookie card auto and then an 86 don risk Conseco because it's that was like my grail as a kid oh yeah that card was 100 bucks as a kid i, yeah. I didn't know it until uh, being an adult years and years later i didn't yeah. know that card until, so i created the you get the jeff may rookie card tier on my patreon where at like you tell me all the stuff that you like and i will make you a package of all the cards that i pull because I can't have them all in my house. Yeah, no, I know what that's like entirely. That's I was an awesome gonna, idea. I'm sure people like that. I, I was gonna ask you about that specific thing. Like, what what are you doing? Like, say you're you're opening a box of like 1988 Donruss, right? Yeah. Which is a relatively worthless set of cards. Right. There's no reason. To, what What are you doing with them? Are you like l donating them? Are you leaving them on the curb? 
for somebody to take? Are you like going on like Facebook marketplace and being like, does anybody want these? So, yeah, I mean, essentially that's what I do. And people ask me that a lot, actually, because I open 90 tops. I buy those obviously out of my own funds. Lately, I have decided to probably start selling them just because I want, I mean, as much as I want to pull the Frank Thomas, I may just buy it at some point outright because it's so freaking hard to, to pull that card. Yeah. So I thought about debated on selling those. I just want to pull it in general just to cross it up a list. But yeah, I mean, all the comments and stuff like that and minor stars and yeah. the lower end Hall of Famers, I put those all in the boxes and I sell them in bulk. So I sold, I think last week, I put like 70,000 cards on uh, Marketplace. Within five minutes, I had a guy that said he wanted them. So really? I was like, I was like a hundred bucks. Take these for a hundred bucks. Get them out of my house. I just need to clean up some stuff because I, I get collections. I go through them and then it's just like, I pick out what I want. And in this case, I just had a gigantic bulk from that recent pickup that I told you about the mm -hmm. vintage and also those 11, 5,000 count boxes. I started going through them and I'm like, this is a lot of junk in here. I mean, there was a couple Kurt Schilling rookies and stuff like that, but I'm like, I just don't really have the time to go through 60,000 or so baseball cards. And from what it looks like, there's a lot of years in here. Where there's nothing that I really need. And I saw like 86 tops football in there and that caught my eye. I'm like, there's a Jerry Rice rookie in here. But I, I threw them all in marketplace. and like, you know, just get these out of my house. I need to clean some things up. This guy bought them and for a hundred bucks. And I, I got a call me the next day, literally, who said he used to have a card shop in the nineties. And he's like, Hey, my friend and I, we have this business where we have sports card vending machines, which were popular back when we were kids. Oh, cool. You know, Toys R Us and stuff like that. You go into the store on the way out and you ask your mom for a quarter, 50 cents to get a card. And most of the time they're commons, but this guy, he's like, do you have any commons for sale? I'm like, that's crazy that and ironic that you call me the day after I just sold like 70,000 to somebody else for a hundred bucks. And he was like, oh man, he's like, that's a great deal. I'm like, I thought it was a pretty good deal. Most of it is worthless commons and stuff like that, but still that much, that many cards for a hundred bucks. People that do TTM, they love buying lots like that. People that want to get kids into the hobby, they love buying stuff like that. So T set builder. TTM stands for through the mail? Yes. And that's yes. for autographs, right? Yep. So okay. there's, that's actually a huge uh, community, I guess. Yeah, I'm not part of it, but I have a lot of guys on my channel that do through the mail autographs. And that's where, I mean, there's all kinds of different websites. You can go on there. You can find players from 30 years ago, 40 years ago that are still alive. And they still sign autographs. Like, for instance, like Ryan Sandberg. If you send Ryan Sandberg... 10 bucks and a card he'll sign it he'll send it back to you oh that's so cool so, that was yeah it's, it's very cool for sure that was adam's favorite player i should do i should absolutely do that one time he he loved cubs and so he also loved andre dawson the hawk as we like to call him Oh, yeah yeah we it's yeah. funny too because like that's also what i call him so yeah. I, I laughed whenever you were like like he calls him the, the hawk and i was like i call him that too and we do a bit where we talk about how like we do a show called you don't even like sports which is a sports podcast for people that hate sports yeah and like the whole running bit is we keep telling each other that the other person doesn't like sports so i actually got a cameo sure. from andre dawson for christmas that basically was like thanking Adam for his fandom, even though he hates sports and doesn't even like it. He's like, this is one of the greatest gifts I've ever gotten. I got insulted and told I don't like sports by my hero. And that means that is a, that is a great gift. I, I had a similar uh, thing happen to me where somebody yeah. got me. One of my arch enemies as a kid was Chris Sabo. My brother and I just could not stand Chris Sabo. Rex we just did not like him. We could not stand him as kids. So all these years later, I'd bring that up in random streams of my channel in the beginning, and people would start flooding me with Chris Sabo cards. Well, somebody actually paid for a cameo for Chris Sabo on my birthday. 
want to wish me happy birthday. So good. I was like, that's great. I was like, that's great. Like, like after all these years, like I'll, I'll accept it. We'll, we'll bury the hatchet. Because so Chris you, and I, like, no. You grew up a Pirates fan, right? Yes. So that would explain because he was a Cincinnati Red, and isn't that a rival? More so, yeah. The Reds, we didn't like the Reds, we didn't like the Braves, obviously, but yeah, so that's that's more so why we didn't really like them, but the Rex Specs didn't really help out either. I remember when I was in high school, in my math book, like an algebra book or something, there was like a word problem page that was all about Chris Sabo. Me and a couple, I wish I could find that math book or, or like that. I'm sure if I a cursory Google search and I could find what Rand McNally asked textbook it was but like me and my friend mike were just like what the heck? and this was like 1996 or 1997 right. it was like definitely right. like a post sabo era and we were just right. but it was like there was like pictures of him like cut out picture and like maybe like his diamond king card or something like that and I, we we're just sitting here and we're like what the f is happening right now like in well, the world threads the kids that's it that's crazy man that's so, that existed crazy yeah. Solve for Chris Sabo. I'm going to search for that. That's going to be my needle in a wax stack. Yeah. I'm going to be, well, I'm going to go online and I'm going to try to find the Chris Sabo math book. Go on eBay. It's like a hundred bucks on there. Yeah. Right. Textbooks are still <laughs> so, so expensive. So crazy like that. That's wild. Though. I've never heard or seen that thing before. Yeah. I actually have some old textbooks from when I was a teacher and I'm just like, I feel guilty throwing these in the trash because I know how much they cost the school district, yeah. but I'm All like, honest. they were like I think the wholesale price for getting these books, it was like $82 a book. Was it really? Yeah. Gee, that's yeah. crazy. I, I believe remember. it though. I believe it. They're expensive as hell. I was on an exploratory committee to like pick the next history book. And it was a nightmare. It was like the biggest nightmare to do this. And they were like, we're, you get to pick what book you need. And then they picked like the dumbest book. And I was like, <laughs> it was like so dumbed down that I was like, I feel like the kids are going to be insulted that we got this book. Yeah, right. I was like, I feel like the kids are going to be like, why is this book for babies? And why are we being forced to read it? Yeah, honestly. You guys have, did you guys have the Scholastic Book Fair out there when you were younger? We, so, oh, when we were younger, yes, absolutely. And we actually, even when I was a teacher, they had it. It was less. Did it really? It seemed smaller than right. when I remembered it. And then I remembered like, oh, I'm 6'4 now. When you're a kid, what like, say, what would you do? Were you like a, one of the kids that would be like, I got to get this Ken Griffey poster of him in a Lamborghini. Yeah. yeah Lamborghini posters. Yeah. I always wanted like the Barry Bonds poster. I want to say I did a, a recent video where it was like rating my parents attic from my childhood toys. Mm -hmm. There's a video I talked about doing for the last five years, but I finally did it like, a month ago or whatever and almost fell through the ceiling of the attic, which was a different story. But uh, there's a Barry Bonds poster up there that I filmed in a video that I I'm almost positive came from this classic book fair back in the early nineties. But it was always like, I got to have this Goosebumps book or whatever it was, mm -hmm. Goosebumps and some sports poster. <laughs> did you so, do the book orders? Do you remember, do you remember those? Like every yeah, order? I, I, absolutely. Absolutely. You, man. Were you like, did you get like, was it Goosebumps and stuff? Was that the thing you'd get? I think mostly, yeah, it was Goosebumps or like books of that nature. Like maybe like Supernatural stuff mm -hmm. was more so what I was always in, interested in. It makes sense because of my like love for Ghostbusters. I think ties into that. That's more so what I was always into. And then they had the whole book it thing where you read so many books and you get like a pizza party or whatever the hell it was. Pizza, pizza Hut, hut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Book it. We didn't, yeah. we didn't have Pizza Hut. So book it didn't really like oh, there were no Pizza Huts near us. Uh, so there, my parents were like, you want us to drive 45 minutes so you can get a $2 pizza? <laughs> yeah, honestly. Pudgy little 
<laughs> not really, really too feasible, I guess, in your in your case. Yeah, right. I used to I used to get like anytime there was like a comic strip collection, I'd be like, oh, new Garfield book, time for me. Yeah. Or Calvin and Hobbes, like that. The book orders was how I was how Calvin and Hobbes really sold me, which I felt very yeah. blessed. I don't think kids have they need a Calvin and Hobbes now. Calvin and Hobbes is awesome. Yeah, I remember reading the Garfield books. There was I had quite a few of those. There was an insults book that I had. It was like Garfield's insults put down in slams. Oh hell! So yeah. I got that book. I was going around just talking shit to everyone like that year, and <laughs> people were pissed off about it. You'd be like, "Hey, you're dumber than Odie," and they're like, "I don't yeah, know." Yeah, what yeah, you're talking yeah. About. Get out of here. Yeah, it was like it was real lame, real lame jokes like that. But I actually found it recently. I'm like, "Oh, this is sick." And That's I was, awesome. I was reading. Like, did I really actually go around saying this stuff to people? Like, that sucks. But yeah, it's funny all these years later look back on it. I think I think if kids aren't embarrassing, they're not being kids properly. No, you're 100 correct. Like if, <laughs> and that's in a way too. And we can circle that back to nostalgia because we do have to wrap up the regular show. But for those of you on Patreon, stick around because we're going to talk a little bit more, a little bit. When we talk about and and this might be something that you hear a lot too, because I hear it a lot, especially when I do mint on card when we do the the show at Blast from the Past and the Toy Store, where people get so angry that they opened their toys and played with them. Yeah. Because they're like, man, like, okay, I know for a fact that you have very valuable Ghostbusters toys, right? You have the the glow in the dark last run of them. Yeah, I do. I I have it right behind me. I can turn my camera off if you want. (laughs) If you you want to, you're more than welcome to. I I know what they look like. Yeah. Uh, And so you have those, right? And those are for the most part, any 80s or 90s toy run, the last, any toy line, the last set is going to be the one that's going to be the most valuable because the interests are low, the production is low, so they end up disappearing into the ether. Those things are worth a lot of money. But the reason yeah. they are is because people love them and they played with them. Absolutely. And I think a lot of those, those were actually the Ecto Glows. And I think it was, was it 92 or 91? I think it was 92 that those were those came out the very last run and then a lot of them didn't even make it to shelves so the line that i have is actually all unpunched and obviously unpunched things oh, wow. carry, they carry more value i picked them up during during the pandemic i think it was 2020 so everyone got their their their, their covid check stimulus. they got the stimulus check and then instead of like i don't know doing something productive with it i went and bought toys with it <laughs> so somebody had those that whole the whole line on ebay for like 750 for all five of those figures of ecto glows that's yeah, a great, I, I, that's a really good deal. It's a great price because it most like nowadays they sell like one of those sells for about close to that much. Yeah. So especially on punch. So I, I would, I would roughly probably value them like $2,500. I would yeah. say close to it around there nowadays. Do you have them in like cases or anything? They are in, they're in toy shield cases. Hell yeah. Hanging on the wall right behind me. It's a, the room's kind of a mess, but yeah, it's all here. People will, so they'll come up to me a lot and they're like, you work in in the collectibles area, right? And I'm like, I do. And they're like, if if only I didn't play with this. And I was like, if only you didn't play with this, you wouldn't care about it. So that's very true. That's a very good way to look at it. Like toys are meant to be played with. Comic books are meant to be read. And when you're a kid, baseball cards are meant to be traded and handed off to each other and and corners worn down and beaten up and stuff like, like they're, if if it's child i think a child that would be money motivated would be a real piece of kid i couldn't agree with you more <laughs> like absolutely you, i mean that's that's why it has so much value is because it's sentimental value we look yeah. back we think of these great times that we had with these things with cards and opening cards with friends and collecting and trading and everything else and toys all the 
the great memories you have playing with those toys. That's the only reason why they have so much value to us nowadays. If nobody played with Ninja Turtles, nobody would be collecting them. Like no, not, not at all. Yeah, you imagine how boring your child would be if you just like got a Donatello figure and just like took it and just put it on your your dresser, just looked at it. Dude, sometimes people will. I did that with the when they re released Star Wars toys in 1995. I collected yeah. them as like art, and I was like or 13 to probably 18 or 19 by the time I stopped right. collecting them. And I look back at it and I'm like, I bet you really did want to play with those, didn't you? Like you just kept them in the packages and yeah. they looked cool and they did look neat, but. At the same time, there there is that aspect of it. And the reason I think that you do appeal to so many people, that so many people love watching your needle in a wax stack, your turn back the clock Tuesdays, your weekend recaps, the jam-packed stuff that you get in the mail, super great. We're going to actually talk about that in the, in the Patreon exclusive stuff, but like your mailbag stuff, people send you things. It's because we all share this form of nostalgia. And you were like, I can... This is what I want to talk about, right? Because you have like a, and I always, the way I say it, it sounds so derogatory, but you have a real job, right? I do. Yeah, I do. I, I have a primary job. I'm on call 24-7. I, I, I oversee group homes for adults with disabilities, so autism and things oh, of wow. that nature. I've done that for over 10 years now. Wow, that's fascinating. That's a really interesting job. And that is really, that's what keeps you going, right? That's that's it's very the bills. Definitely a rewarding job. Yes, it's been very good to me, so. And then this, the past is alive. You're, this is, you're like, this is me do like, this is what I want to do. This is fun. This is fun for me. I want to do this. I love what I do yeah. as a job, but I love Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, it's, it's turned into like a second job for me, essentially. And yeah. it's, it, it's a, it's a hobby. So I always see if you can find something that you love to do and you can find a way to make money doing it, then you, uh, you were truly successful. Well, and and John, I do want to thank you too for not just for coming on the show because that's great. That that's that's an hour and a half of your time that I really really appreciate. But Absolutely. Even even more than that, I do want to thank you for cultivating such a great community with your channel and and having a channel that like and I I started telling this and I'm not sure I did, but like I was talking to Dre who was doing that break afterwards and I was like the past is alive is the guy that when I watched it, I was like, this is the energy I want to bring. I want to do my version of the community that he's built, the interactions that he's had. And I have taken that like you have influenced me and you've influenced more than me to to do that. Like I went looking for somebody like you. Other people found you. And in, got inspired. Like I went looking for inspiration and found you. Other people found you and got inspiration. And so you get to be both of that, which I think is fascinating. I, I, I love that, man. I love to hear that. That's that's so cool. And I told him, I was like, go watch some of his videos. I was like, go to his YouTube account, watch one of his videos, report back to me. And he came back. He's like, I see why you really like this guy. He's like, I get it. I see it. Like, and I was, and I was saying like that audience interaction, that knowing that when a live feed is going, he's doing it while he's also talking to the people that are there. So John, tell people that are listening, like where they can find you. So I have, I have social media, like everybody else. I have Facebook, I have personal pages. I have like pages for the past is alive. So Instagram, I'm on there under the past is alive, 1984, but I don't, I'm not so active on there. The best way to interact with the community that I've created and also with myself would be on the the Passes Alive Facebook page. It's a closed group. So all you have to do is basically uh, go to join it and we'll accept you into it as long as you're not a bot. 
or something of that nature. And it's what I always tell people, it's a continuation of the live streams. So that is, I'm very active on there. Everyone else that's in my, on my channel is active on there, posting stuff, posting funny things, posting things they pick up. There could be toys on there, random other nostalgic pieces, but that's, yeah, that's the best way to find me. The pass is alive on Facebook. It's a, a private group. It's about 1500 people in there. I'm on there. So if you guys want to, I thought, so. I thought so. Yeah, no, I, I go on there. I, I don't go on Facebook a lot, but I do, I do check in. And I do like, I'll, I'll want to talk or I'll want to see what people are talking about or hanging out. And that is one of the few things that brings me joy. Now, on top of that, and I did mention that before, but y'all, you got to go to youtube.com slash at the past is alive and just absolutely subscribe and hit the notifications bell. The live streams are great. If you want to interact in a live stream, there is a good chance if I'm not recording or working that I am in watching. I have a blast yeah, Jeff, you're always in there. I, I appreciate it, man. I try we to be. To have, we love to have you in there. I try to be. And I and, and it's funny too, because like I will do the things that other people like it I don't know how to explain it without sounding like a weirdo. The way I guess some people interact with me is how I interact with you, where I'm like, I love this guy. I love what he's doing. I want to reward him for a thing. I want to send him stuff in the mail. Like I I'm a I guess the easiest way to say it is I have you on as as a cool friend and and I certainly do feel that way, but it's in a parasocial term, which means I'm actually just a fan. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I definitely appreciate it. And I, I people send me pictures through email and they post them in groups and stuff like that. They'll they'll sit there and they'll crack up in boxes while I'm cracking up in boxes on their TV. It's the coolest thing ever. Oh, hell yeah. It's awesome. So I love that. I love that, I love that so much. For those of you that are freeloaders, definitely go check that out. Your episode is about to be done. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to patreon.com slash Jeff May, where you can get early access to uncensored episodes with bonus content, including the bonus content we're about to talk about. Uh, you can also find me at Hey There Jeffro, H-E-Y-T-H-E-R-E-J-E-F-F-R-O across all social media, including my YouTube, where I also do breaks, mostly non-sports. I do sports breaks with Adam Todd Brown at the You Don't Even Like Sports YouTube account. Uh, you can listen to all my shows like Tom and Jeff Watch Batman on Gamefully Unemployed. You can also hear everything I do on this and then all the stuff I do with You Don't Even Like Podcasts. But Mint on Card, come see my live comedy show if you're listening in, in the Burbank area the second Friday of every month at Blast from the Past on Magnolia in Burbank, California. All those long-winded plugs are done. John, say goodbye to the freeloaders. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll check me out on YouTube. Definitely, absolutely do that. Uh, I cannot stress enough. It, it is my favorite channel on YouTube, and that is one hell of a thing to be. But definitely check that out. We'll see you all later. Have a good day. Patreon users, stick around. We got a little bit of bonus content coming. Bye. Hey, everyone. Our artwork is created by Justin T. Brown, who can be found at Artness by Justin Brown on Instagram, as well as artnessbyjustinbrown.com. That dope music you heard is by Troy Nababon, available at Troy Nababon on Instagram, as well as at TroyNababon.com. Nababon is spelled N-A-B-A-B-A-N, and boy, does that shred. Thank you all so much for listening. See you next time.